Nadeau and welcome to the eBiomedicine podcast. I'm Pierre Nadeau, senior editor for the journal. Today, I will be discussing the role of artificial intelligence in pathology within the next decade with the authors of a Delphi study we published in our recent issues, Dr. Bevis and Dr. McClintock. Dr. Bevis is head of R&D and innovation at HT Medica in Spain. Dr. McClintock is a senior associate consultant and medical director within the newly formed Division of Computational Pathology and Artificial Intelligence within the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at the Mayo Clinic here in the US. In this study, experts shared their thoughts on what computational pathology might look like in 2030 via a survey. To start us off, Dr. Berbis, as you were at the initiative of this study, may I ask you to explain why you considered it timely to do such a survey? Well, the talk about AI uh, is everywhere these days. Even before ChatGPT, uh, developments in AI were already gaining momentum and affecting almost uh, every possible area of life, also medicine. Uh, but despite the expectations, very little of AI is currently the pathology workflow. So it was logical to us to wonder how AI was actually going to change our field of expertise and how ready uh, we were for these changes and how other pathologists felt about it. Dr. McClintock, you, you were one of the experts who received the survey. Can you tell us why you agreed to be part of this study and to answer the survey? Yeah, for me, when I saw this uh, email come through saying, hey, you'll be part of this study to look at um, conjugatology and AI by 2030, I was really intrigued as to, you know, what do others think about it, right? I, I myself had had different ideas and I had been part of this um, field for a while, but yet hadn't really gotten a good sense of what other experts thought, what others across the, the world thought of this. I'd only seen a couple other studies that mentioned that people thought it was the future, but again, not a lot of consensus. So I, I really wanted to see what that consensus was, was going to look like. So for me, it was the actual study itself, understanding, you know, where are we going? What's going to happen? Do people agree with what I think? That kind of stuff. Um, are we on the right path um, overall is, is why I really wanted to be part of this study and, and to see it uh, completed. Dr. Burbis, could you explain who were the experts you consulted and how you selected them? Hmm, the first step was obviously to agree on the recruitment criteria before approaching anyone. Um, we aimed to gather a diverse group of experts uh, from different areas uh, within the pathology field. So we finally agreed on inviting uh, pathology professionals with an MD or similar degree who had uh, at least published one article in the last few years. Um, once that was clear, We searched the website of organizations such as the Digital Pathology Association and others and uh, reached out through our network, of course, until we had a list of around 40 candidates who met their required criteria. Um, and then we sent the, the invitations to them uh, and uh, 24 of them kindly agreed to participate in the study and uh, were the final, um, the final members of the panel. So what were the questions you asked and how did you choose them? Um, well, the process to choose uh, the most relevant questions uh, was very laborious. We first did a, a literature research to identify the hot topics in, in the field of AI and pathology, um, but also we, we used our own experience. And then we came up with a list of 12 open-ended questions uh, covering three major topics. Uh, first, what the future of AI in pathology might look like. Um, also, what the most pressing ethical and regulatory issues uh, might be. Um, and also we asked about specific AI applications that uh, the panelists uh, uh, could foresee to have the greatest impact. Uh, 
Then from the responses we received, we distilled um, 180 statements that were then um, <clears throat> put in a, in a survey for the panelists to rate on a seven-point Likert scale, uh, in which they should express their degree of agreement or disagreement. And then the statements that did, didn't uh, reach consensus were evaluated again uh, in, a, in a final round uh, before extracting our conclusions. So what was the most striking answer you received? Could be the most surprising or what you consider the most important? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, personally, the most striking finding for me was the number of tasks that are expected to be fully automated by 2030. Um, applications like case triage, uh, uh, H-pylori screening or uh, corrected policy screening, uh, uh, a lot of quantification applications, uh, even tumor grading uh, was expected to be fully performed by AI tools without the need uh, for the pathologist's input in less than 10 years, uh, which is, of course, amazing and, and, and a bit scary too. Okay, thank you. And, and can I ask you the same question, Dr. McClintock? Yeah, for me, there wasn't any specific result that was very striking for me. I actually was amazed at our consensus. So I actually was amazed that we had a 78% consensus but we, among the experts. I actually thought it was going to be lower, right? I mean, we're in the informatics community, while we all like to agree a lot of times on certain things, um, typically, you know, how much we like to hate our current software programs, and, and we all love to do that kind of thing. Um, the, the truth is that I was really amazed at the fact that we all kind of had that same idea that, you know what, diagnostic accuracy is going to improve with, with AI, that we see these tools being implemented in great numbers, that we actually are going to see the future happen, I guess. Um, a lot of times um, when we actually look at the real world implementation of a lot of these, a lot of these tools, we don't get to actually... I know we see it in our own little microcosm of what we're doing. We don't get to see it in the greater overview of the world. And so I think that was actually fun to see how much we did agree on where things were going to go. Now, whether or not that actually occurs, separate discussion, but I think overall, that's kind of where I'm, I'm viewing that. So based on this survey, can you summarize what computational pathology will likely look like in 2030? Yeah, I think, I mean, the first thing to understand is that, you know, what is computational pathology? And I think for... The, the best uh, summary came from the, the, the 2014 paper that really said it's more the aggregation and integration of multiple sources of pathology, laboratory medicine, and genomic data that's then analyzed using machine learning techniques that will provide better disease-specific answers, diagnostic inferences, and generate predictions for patients. And I think, you know, when this field was first defined in that 2014-2016 era, it was mostly hype, right? We knew that these data elements were going to be important. We knew that there were um, ways to do it, but the techniques to actually identify, extract, transform, aggregate, analyze, and communicate all that data were not mature enough to actually execute on that definition, okay? It was something that was a great vision, but it wasn't something that we could actually do right then. And, and I was struck by that. I was like, well, I, when I first saw that paper, I was like, wow, that looks really cool. Um, I want to be a part of that. But how, right? The how was, was not there. I think now we're almost a decade later from when that was first developed. And we're actually starting to realize the, the potential kind of pathology. The AI tools are more mainstream. Um, we see a lot more academic medical centers, some hosp large hospital systems, and, and obviously industries involved. And they're all investing in the technology and the skill sets necessary to implement AI in healthcare. Um, and I think we're going to see chemistry uh, pathology actually becoming a routine part of our medical practice by 2030. Whether or not it's going to be called that or else, um, 
or more so just being seen as AI in pathology, AI in laboratory medicine? I don't know. Um, I think cognitive pathology as a field itself hasn't really caught on everywhere. Um, people see it more as just the tool set, which is AI. But um, I think overall, we'll see these techniques being being used and we'll see cognitive pathology, this whole idea of aggregating and integrating those that data together become much more of a reality by 2030. To go a bit beyond the present study, does your group of authors have any recommendations to help the community achieve these goals? Well, I think in general, you know, our study showed that there was got good consensus among experts for how AI is going to help with things like diagnostic accuracy and other similar use cases. But, you know, I was, there's still that disagreement that occurred about how AI is going to be, say, reimbursed, what the cost per case is going to be, how explainable do these models need to be, how widespread is computational pathology going to be used, right? A lot of that was still not, not, um, people weren't sure of those, those aspects of the study, right? Uh, from the study questions. And I think more translational research really needs to be done to solidify how AI is going to be implemented. Right now, we don't have standard frameworks created that will show people how to do this, okay? We have a lot of studies right now that basically say, hey, look, we can apply this AI technique to this tumor, or we can apply this AI technique to this condition, right? But we don't have any studies that show how people are actually going to deploy AI in clinical settings, what has worked for the, that group, what has worked for other people, and how do we put all that together, okay? So I think that's going to be something that really needs to be done over the next six, seven years as we move towards 2030 is defining out what is that framework that will allow us um, as computational pathologists, per se, to actually be able to implement this technology at scale throughout laboratory medicine and pathology so that we can achieve this kind of innovation. Okay. Um, I, at this point, I can say in our uh, I'm part of this, this new division of uh, computational pathology and artificial intelligence, and that's one of our missions is to look at how do we enable AI at scale. And it's not going to be easy. Right now, there's different, we've, we've already identified many different moving parts to keep track of. We, there's the idea of, hey, who's going to govern these, these aspects of the process? Is it in IT? Is it in the lab? Um, is it a whole separate group entirely? Um, what kind of operational support do we need for this? Um, how much do we need to upskill our pathologists, our laboratorians, our IT staff, our business analysts? All that has to occur because not everybody understands what needs to be done. And so there's a lot of work that needs to be done on the real practical level of, great, now that we've figured out how to do some of this work, how do we implement it? I think that's the part that's, that's really lacking. And so the recommendations here is to have people kind of not just focus on, can I throw this AI model at this tissue type or at this, at this disease entity or this condition, but look at, you know, how would I actually really, how can I see them using it in the lab? How can I see them using it uh, in a day-to-day, um, in their day-to-day use cases? And from there, we can begin to, start, we kind of solve the problem of how to implement AI at scale. And to conclude, Dr. Babis, do you want to tell us about the next steps for this project? In my future plans um, is uh, repeating this study, but in, in another specialty like uh, radiology, which is uh, the, 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 maybe the twin specialty of pathology. It's a very similar one. Uh, it faces the same challenges and the same opportunities. And uh, I, I think the, the conclusions from the radiology uh, counterpart might also be very, very interesting. Thank you. That was Dr. Alvaro Berbis from HT Medica and Dr. Dave McClintock from Mayo Clinic. You can download and read their paper for free from our journal's website. Thanks for listening. <laughs>